grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Dear family and friends at Good Shepherd, dear family and friends of Scott, and especially to you, Deb and Stephanie and Jacob, God's peace, God's comfort, God's encouragement, not from my words, but from the word of the Lord. Those words that we heard just a moment ago, the first two verses of Psalm 32, King David wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The word of the Lord, dear friends in Christ, was many years ago, more than two decades ago already, when comedian George Carlin had a chance to host Saturday Night Live. Depending on your perspective, he didn't disappoint. He was as funny as ever, taking the things of life and mocking them. Mocking them and making us laugh till our side hurt. But on this particular night, George Carlin started a bit of a controversy regarding him because of the topic that he chose for his opening monologue and the object of his mocking. George Carlin stood before the world and said, I don't know how God got such a good reputation. Everything he has ever made has died. And half the people laughed. And half the people were nervous, thinking maybe it's true. My friends, we come into God's house today for a variety of reasons. Of course, we knew and loved Scott. We want to support, we want to encourage. We come into God's house, and maybe, maybe like George Carlin, we think this whole church thing is a joke. God is overrated. His reputation doesn't live up to reality. Oh, sure, He has created everything. But everything dies. And we know it. And a day like today brings it home. Brings it very, very close to home. Death is all around. You look in the obituaries and you see the names and the faces. And it really doesn't hit Oh, maybe it hits a little bit when it's somebody younger than you. 
It almost always hits when it's somebody that you know. And when it's somebody that you love, it's almost unbearable. So, is George Carlin right? Are we wasting our time? My friends, today we come into God's house. And we have lots of questions. Why Scott? Why cancer? Why so young? There are many people that would have you pretend that those questions are not real. My friends, God doesn't work that way. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sanctify them by the truth. Jesus says, my word is truth. So, what is truth when we come into God's house today? My friends, I have good news. Because we come into God's house today to more than remember. To more than celebrate life. To do more than simply mourn the loss of a son, a husband, a dad, a brother, a friend. We come into God's house today to celebrate. No, I'm not nuts. We come into God's house today to celebrate. Celebrate a great victory. Much greater than a victory over Colorado would bring to the state of Nebraska on Saturday, right? I won't talk about November in Iowa, Nebraska with this crowd. We come into God's house today to celebrate a victory. A victory of God over Satan. A victory of heaven over hell. A victory of life over death. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But it's true. My friends, the words of our text, first two verses of Psalm 32... Talk about being blessed. Blessed is kind of the fancy church way to say it. To be blessed. Count your blessings one by one. We're taught from little on. At Thanksgiving time, what do we do? We give thanks for our blessings. God's Word talks a lot about blessings. When we think of blessings, what do we think of? We think of our stuff. We think of our money. We think of our portfolio. We think of our home. We think of our vacation home, our boat, our camper. We think of our health. We think of our family. We think of our job. We almost always think of our job. My friends, these are all blessings. They are all gifts from God. But they are not the primary blessing that God gives. Our first parents were very blessed. They lived in paradise. It couldn't get any better. But they thought they had better words than God did. They sinned. 
They brought sin into the world and all of the consequences came crashing down not only upon them, but their children all the way down to us. God could have left them in their sin and in their predicament and in their death. But God is not a God of death. He is a God of life. And so God blessed them. He blessed them with a word, with a promise. The first gospel promise that when the time was right, God would send a Savior who would crush the serpent's head once and for all. Later on, as this promise and this blessing was passed on generation to generation, God called Abraham. Abraham, leave your people. Leave your, your culture, your language. I don't know, it's almost like being called from Iowa to Nebraska. Leave your people and your gods and follow me. And Abraham did. Abraham believed the word of God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God gave Abraham a sevenfold blessing. And the most important part of that blessing, the part that affects all of us gathered here today, God told Abraham, through you, Abraham, and from your loins, from your seed, your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. How in the world can all nations on earth be blessed from the offspring of Abraham? My friends, throughout the pages of the Bible, God tells us how. God tells us that the offspring of Abraham, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised one, the great prophet, would be born of a virgin. He would be a king, and at the same time, he would suffer. He would be a servant. He would die and three days later overcome sin, death, and the grave. He would do this not only for a select few, for a, a particular people, group, or clan. He would do this for the whole world. For God so loved the world, we just sang, that He gave His only begotten Son. Are you a part of the world? Then you are blessed by this gift that God has given in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, born of a virgin, born under the law, born to redeem us who are condemned under the law. Jesus took all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, all of our sickness into himself all the way to Calvary's cross. He bled and he died the death we deserve. But our God is not a God of death. He's a God of life. Death could not hold the sinless Son of God. Three days later, that first Easter, Jesus burst forth from the tomb never to die again. And God promises that all who cling to Jesus by grace, through faith, are blessed. 
Material goods, money, long life, obedient children, yeah, maybe. But the most important blessing, as King David learned the hard way, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. My friends, this is the good word. This is the gospel message that for the last 20 years I had the privilege of speaking into Scott Schlatter's ear. The same message, nothing new, nothing flashy, the same message of an old rugged cross and an empty tomb and a God who loves poor miserable sinners like him, like me. And it was a message that he lived for. It was a message that he clung to. It was a message that sustained him through these last few months and few weeks that are simply unimaginable. You know, when you've been a pastor for a long time, you kind of a soft spot for certain people. You know them warts and all. You have certain things that you visit about and talk about. Oh, we could always talk about the grocery business because as you can tell, I eat lots of groceries. And I've got an opinion on about every topic, so that was lots of fun. Scott was a frustrated cowboy. I grew up on the farm. So we had a lot to talk about there. I never ever did really figure out if he was a true Husker fan or if he was really a secret Iowa fan who pretended to be a Husker fan because he lived in Lincoln, Nebraska. I never did figure that one out. I know he loved nature and that manifested itself in a lot of ways and a lot of his activities, the camping, the fishing, the Boy Scouts, the trips to Yosemite. There was always one thing that rarely a Sunday went by that Scott and I didn't chat about after church. That was John Wayne. Man, did he love John Wayne. Every movie, every quote, we could banter back and forth with regard to the movies that were either on the past week or were coming up the coming week. We would try to quiz each other who knew the most John Wayne trivia. It was a lot of fun. I remember after the most recent remake of True Grit came out. Scott and I were talking and I said, Hey Scott, 
Are you going to see the new True Grit movie? And he looked at me and said, Well, I hear the new one is more accurate with regard to the actual book. But no, I'm not going to see it. There's only one Rooster Cogburn. There's only one True Grit. Now, I don't know if he ever did see it or not, but that was our conversation that particular day. I thought a lot about John Wayne and some of those John Wayne memorable quotes, many of which I can't share from the pulpit. But I thought about that movie, True Grit. True Grit, John Wayne says, is making a decision and standing by it. Doing what must be done. That pretty well sums up Scott's life. Not much gray area. A lot of black and white. He was a hard worker. Worked his way up from the very bottom. Imagine stacking shelves to manager of the company. Packed a lot into a short life. Self-made man in many respects. He worked hard and he expected that out of others. Oh, that we had more of that in our world today. John Wayne said, talk low, talk slow, and don't talk too much. Well, that was one that I could never wrap my head around too much. But Scott, he wasn't a man of many words. But when he spoke, you listened. Because more often than not, those words were words of substance. John Wayne said, Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. If that doesn't sum up these last three years, I don't know what does. I remember the day in church when I saw, saw Scott. I thought something looked kind of funny about him. And I go, man, you are skinny. What's going on? He said, Pastor, I'm sick. Don't know with what, but I'm losing weight. I can't figure out why. Could tell by the look in his eye and he could tell by the look in my eye that we both knew what was going on, even though we didn't know the details or the particulars. Scott was not one to back away from a fight. That's exactly what he did. He fought long and he fought hard and he fought almost to the very last minute when he just didn't have any strength left to fight. My friends, you can watch any movie you want to. That is true grit, right there. And what a great legacy, and what a great example for all of us. I don't know, it was about two weeks ago. I was over at the house. 
I don't remember if it was a larger family gathering or if it was just Deb and the kids and I, I don't remember, but I was sharing the words from our gospel, John 11, with Scott. And I said, you know, it's not fair. It's not fair somebody so young would be taken so early. I was speaking those words as much to me as I was to Scott, and I was certainly speaking them for the benefit of Deb and Stephanie and Jacob. My dad died when I was eight. Wasn't fair. Wasn't fair. 44, a lot of life left to live. Wasn't fair. Our gospel reading. Mary and Martha, they are upset with Jesus. Jesus, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Deb has every right to say, Jesus, if you had been here, my husband would not have died. Where were you, Jesus? Scott and, or, uh, Jacob and Stephanie have every right to say, Jesus, where were you? If you had been here... Dad would still be alive. Did you hear how Jesus answered this question of grief? This question of it's not fair? He looked at the ladies and said, your brother will rise again. Well, I don't know about you, but Martha wasn't very happy with that answer. Yes, yes, yes. I know my catechism. I know the resurrection of the body on the last day. I know that in the future that will happen, but it hurts right here and right now. I need a word for right here and right now. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he says, you believe it? Can God bring life out of death? Do you believe it? I told that Story. I read that word. I shared that devotion in the slaughter living room. And Scott looked at me and he said, Pastor, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. And I thought to myself, what? This is nuts. This is crazy. I didn't say it, but I thought it. Racked with cancer, can barely sit up with his own strength, grasping for every word coming out of his mouth. He looked me in the eye. Old grocery men have to talk like old grocery men, I guess. He looked at me and he said, We all have an expiration date. We just don't know when it is. I was blessed to know my expiration date. 
I was blessed to cram as much into a short period of time as possible. Pastor, I'm not mad. I'm blessed. And then he looked at me and said, don't get me wrong. I wish I had more time. But I'm blessed. My friends, how in the world can anybody make that kind of a confession? Only by the blood of Jesus. No fear. No worries. No concerns. He loved life. He lived it to the full. But most of all, he had his priorities right. He knew that of all the blessings God had showered down on him in his earthly life, the greatest blessing of all was the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting won by the bloody death and glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's true grit because he wasn't afraid to tell people that was his hope. That was his salvation. My friends, today we come into God's house and I pray that for you today is a celebration. Because as we gather here, there is a grand and glorious celebration going on in heaven. Scott, with all of his family and friends that have died in the faith, maybe even the Duke, they are eating and drinking the finest of meats and the richest of wines, greater than even silver oak, Scott's favorite. And the last John Wayne quote that I want to share with you today is what do we do when we leave here? Tomorrow is the most important thing in life. It comes into us at midnight very clean. It's perfect when it arrives and it puts ourselves, itself, in our hands. Tomorrow hopes we have learned something from yesterday. My friends, Tomorrow, your heart will still ache because your dear loved one is no longer with us. But my friends, tomorrow, learn from today. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. May that blessing be yours today and tomorrow and for all eternity through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our blessings. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.